Hello, I'm Sahel Mirza and welcome to this episode in Season 2 of Voices of Care. I'm joined today by my guest Jackie Irvin, CEO at the Care Inspectorate. Jackie, thank you very much uh, for travelling down and uh, coming to join us. Happy to be here, Sahel. I hope your time in London has been uh, fun and the few it's, days you've been yes, here. Yes, has been, has been. Caught up with old, old folks. <laughs> Excellent. Now... The Care Inspectorate is very well known for people in uh, health and social care, but of, of course in Scotland. I wonder if you can just expand a little in terms of the scope of the work of the Care Inspectorate, because it's a, a significantly large-scale sector covering not just social care. Yeah. So we um, register and regulate 11,000-plus um, services. We, people sometimes refer to it as cradle to grave, which I don't really like the terminology, but yes, from the very young um, up to older people and adults, um, and in between that, you know, we cover fostering adoption, um, offend accommodation, supported care, housing support, uh, nursing agencies, not nurses, but nursing agencies, uh, and a number of other kind of, of areas. I think our, our largest registered workforce services are within younger people services, so early learning and childcare centres and childminders make up about 6,000 of that eleven. Thousand plus. Yep. So a, a lot on your plate. A lot. Uh, since you were appointed in 2022, yep. 30 years of experience uh, across. 30 plus, but we'll not go into the detail. No. Okay. Well, sorry, <laughs> I've been kind. Uh, 30 years plus experience in the in the public sector, and you've chosen an extraordinary time because just to set the background a little bit, the pace of change uh, for this sector that you're regulating. I mean. Help us to understand there's been real um, significant transformation going on as we speak. We've talked about the National Care Service, but really the independent review into inspection, scrutiny and regulation has been a seminal moment for Scotland and social care. Yeah, so prior to the pandemic, the Feely Review, uh, which examined, I suppose, the quality and some of the issues in, uh, in the social care particularly, um, was extensive and that came out and you, you couldn't you couldn't deny what the findings were really they were well founded um, and that called the government to think about how do they how do they manage provide develop services differently and obviously from there led the national care service and I think we are not quite at the implementation stage I don't know when that will come but we have for a number of years now since that's been announced been anticipating what's that going to entail and certainly there's a you get a sense of the drive from the government is about having better assurance in place for services so that the quality is driven up and making sure that people get access. Our vision is sort of reflects this access to high quality, uh, high class services wherever you are in Scotland. We're obviously challenged a bit by the rural and the urban um, mix in Scotland. A, a bit of that in England, but significantly in Scotland. Um, so we have been, uh, we've provided, you know, advice and guidance on that when we're asked. Um, we're anticipating what that means. And I think because of the, the drive for greater insur- assurance, uh, there was a, a requirement to do the independent review of scrutiny regulation. Um, and that just produced in the 27th of September. So 38 recommendations, yes, uh, quite large, but actually quite pleasing to read because a number of those recommendations we are already on, we're already working in that way. But of course, we're an improvement agency, so we know there's always room for further improvement. Um, so really that issue about inclusiveness, um, about your human rights approach, mm. about working with 
people who use services, well, we do that already, and I can go on to some of that later, but certainly we use inspection volunteers in both our older people services and our young people services, and they're the people that really have a better ability to listen to, hear, and feedback to us what folk are saying about the service that they're experiencing. So yes, a lot of change. And you said it's, the, it's a rights-based, a human rights-based yes. uh, approach. And just very briefly, we will touch upon it later, um, the idea that actually this should be seen, the inspection regime and inspection authorities, yourself, of course, um, really should be aiming to co-design some of the interventions with people with lived experience of receiving care. Yeah, absolutely. And we developed with Healthcare Improvement Scotland a number of years ago the health and care standards which are very human rights-based, they're very outcome-focused. So I think we've, in the years gone by, we've moved on from a sort of process, you know, I can remember in my younger years, it being very much about whether people were following processes. This is very much, and we're very much focused on outcomes. So the human rights, uh, the, human, the standards are really f- speaking to the people who receive the service, you know, that I am res- I'm respected, I have dignity, people listen to me, I'm involved in my care, and that's the kind of approach we're And taking. compassion is the and golden thread that yeah, runs absolutely. through all of this stuff. Yeah. Now, stepping back a little bit further, you, your um, uh, strategic workforce report, which we'll come on to yeah. in a second, talks about this external landscape that you're having to traverse. There's regulatory changes we've talked about. Um, there's also, of course, profound um, macro changes, cost of living um, crisis, the post-pandemic restrictions situation, um, a retention crisis. Now, I think the uh, social care minister, Marie Todd, pointed out that that, that there are challenges. And I wonder if you can just unpack that, because there's also demographic challenges Mm -hmm. that the care service is facing. Yeah, so if you set it in the context, we've known the demography is going to increase the age of our population and it was a very interesting um, event recently where actually what you also notice is that the working age population is, is, is set to decline. So that's a real challenge regardless of anything else that's going on around it. I think since the pandemic we've had a much more fluid Workforce, and I mean that in the widest sense. So certainly in my last job, we were very aware of people coming through the pandemic and thinking, actually, I want to do something else with my, you know, life's important, I'm going to do something else. So there's been a bit of an exodus mm. generally. But I think because of that fluidity and this, the amount of jobs that are available in the healthcare, well, in the ho- hospitality sector, um, the competing uh, salary bans are drawing people away and I think particularly for social care uh, you know before the pandemic we we would have a debate there was an ongoing debate about the level of professionalism that was associated with social care and social work um, which was being a social worker myself was quite frustrating so that was already there and then we've come through a pandemic where there's been a big light shone on social care in a uncompassionate way Um, and I think you know obviously the deaths in care homes have been significant and they're really it's really important we're fully engaged in the UK COVID inquiry the Scottish COVID inquiry but you can't help but see and think how people in the social care sector must feel so people have left Mm. and then the bit about how do you attract people back into social care well there are obviously debates going on and you'll be aware of them about the salary banding Um, But there is also that backdrop of what they've come out of from the pandemic. And of course, actually recently, you know, obviously we're hearing, we're seeing 
people are watching the COVID inquiry hearings and that's just bringing I think that back so is that bit about instilling this is a good job to come into but that's a it's a big turnaround we've got to make there um and uh, you know so so that's the, the issue about recruitment and tension. And I think the backdrop, as you say, that, that all of this narrative is being played out. Quite rightly, it has to be yes. investigated. But part of, uh, I think, the raison d'etre of the National Care Service, part of your uh, mission in terms of improving outcomes, yeah. um, is also to celebrate the sector because it Absolutely. plays a huge role, uh, including the wider role of 800,000 unpaid, unpaid carers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... You know, I think there was always that need to celebrate it more, mm. you know, to bring it more into the fore. But I think there's a bit of a sensitivity now about that. And actually, we need to kind of move on from that and, and try and celebrate. I mean, one of our key um, issues is that we try and share good practice. And, you know, that it, it, I always think it's a, it's a challenging thing in Scotland. I don't, I don't know about England, but in Scotland, you know, I've gone into different jobs and you go in and people think oh it must be greener over there and you're like no look at the good work you're doing so I think we try and do that when we're in touch with providers when we're doing inspections we'll say well you've got a bit of an issue here actually a care home over there or a service over there is doing something different and you might want to think about that and we obviously do that in our improvement work with services so you know there's a need to celebrate when it's and recognize the good practice you know it's not it's not it's not all it's painted to be. No, absolutely. Now, I wanted to delve a little bit deeper in terms of the care inspectorate's role now in the future um, and your corporate plan 22 to 25 set out your vision and mission and yeah. going back to the idea of a world-class uh, service. And, and central to that is, of course, the giving the public the assurance yeah. of quality and improvement of yeah. outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. And and it, all, central to all of our strategies, actually, is that inclusiveness, mm. in, inclusive of our workforce, but inclusive of us users of services and the workforce out there, so that we make that a much more equal, um, uh, you know, offering. I think one of the, my reflections when I came into the job was that I, I've worked in Scotland for 30 years, uh, you know, I've been inspected, I've been on the receiving end, I worked for a short period in the inspection with HMIE, doing child protection inspections. <clears throat> I thought I knew the care service, and I didn't. Uh, there's so much more to it, and, and, I, and what I've reflected in the year to date is that actually there's probably a, a lot of people out there who don't understand the exact extent of what we do. And the bit for me is really about the improvement offer we need to make. Now, I have discussed with my, my team that we need to be much clearer about what that improvement offer is because it's hard for people who are struggling to come and ask for the support for improvement. So it's almost trying to meet them halfway or get in there early. And also the importance of we're regulating, inspecting and providing a, you know, an outcome in terms of an inspection report. Let's get our improvement officers uh, and advisors in there early to provide it and we've done some great pieces of work which I'm sure we'll come on to talk about particularly within the early learning and childcare sector but um, that's the bit for me and I think the scale of what we do is misunderstood or not understood mm. um, and I have to hold my hands up I did not I was not aware that we until I started applying for the job obviously um, how many services we've regulated and in addition to the <coughs> excuse me the regulated services, we also do strategic inspection across partnerships, community-based plant partnerships. Mark well. Mar well, Mark over to a certain extent, that's one of the recommendations within yes. the 
independent review, as you'll know. Um, the market oversight, I think, is harder for us at the moment because we really need to do that digital transformation because we need to make it much more effective and efficient to look at what's happening and compare across the country. But, um, you know, the, 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 the larger scale inspections we do in partnership with other regulatory bodies are also, they're not, they're, they're, not, they're not regulated as in we don't need to inspect them, but that was something the government asked us to do some years ago. So we go in and we look at adult protection across a partnership, not just from a social work, social care angle. We do that with colleagues in Police Scotland, um, the inspection there, and uh, Healthcare Improvement Scotland, and we also do some inspections with Mental Welfare Commission. And I think the, the independent review is calling for more of that, more collaboration and less duplication in and, and in order to meet th- these lofty ambitions and your own goals yeah. and the mission in your corporate plan, um, it's going to in- require your workforce yeah. uh, to have a step change in what they're doing. And I think uh, if you can elaborate, you've issued your strategic workforce plan, yeah. uh, 2023 to 26. And I wanted to touch partic- two things that really came out strongly for me was that digital transformation yeah. that you talked about and also the diversity and inclusion piece. So I just wanted to see if you can expand. So I think that's going to be really important for you to turn the dial in terms of your yeah, approach. absolutely. I mean, I think in terms of, but just start with diversity, we do have a challenge in, in attracting in um, a diverse workforce. Um, and we, we recruit from all over Scotland. And we do particularly struggle uh, to recruit from the highlands and north of, of Scotland. And we're, and we're looking at that just now. For the first time, we're actually fully, I think fully staffed in terms of inspectors. Uh, which is great, but we need to have that coverage across Scotland and that diverse coverage as well. So that's one of our key ambitions uh, in terms of our recruitment and how we're presenting ourselves. The other bit you touched on, which was the, uh, before I go into digital uh, transformation, it's also having a workforce that are agile and ready to make those changes, you know, to take the opportunity that either innovation or policy development is having. And of course, there's a lot of policy development um, that's just on the horizon you know we're kind of horizon scanning for that so it is about an, attracting in a, a younger workforce as well and I think we predominantly have an older workforce because we look for people with experience so they've been working for a while but we really want to try and make that more I suppose sustainable because you, you don't want to get to that point where everyone's retiring or thinking I'm off into the blue yonder um, but digital transformation is a key issue not just for the organisation as in how competent we are, but for staff, because at the moment, I think the first thing I looked at when I came in was our legacy, the, what the, our legacy IT systems have brought, and it is a, it's a, it's a spaghetti junction of trying to collect information and get yourself ready for an inspection. So we're trying to make that much more um, smooth. We were supported by the government in that, which is great. We've got a four-year programme. This is the first year of it. Um, and that will that will bring some change and challenge for staff, obviously. But we are engaging our staff inclusively in that so that we know from them what is it we need to develop to help them do their job. Because the, uh, obviously the strategy that you have will... Uh, dovetail with the government's own digital strategy for Scotland but what you talked about there uh, and I know the recommendations from the independent review cover it uh, and perhaps you're already doing this is is the central importance of data because that's going to be fundamentally important in not just for providers but in your ability to support improved outcomes absolutely and and just to explain a bit about Mm. how we are 
choosing where we inspect, we obviously have regulated services have got a, a pattern they need to be, be inspected, but we very much use the information we get through notifications from providers, through complaints, which is a big piece of our work, um, and from other information about, and we then allocate or analyse who are the low, medium and high risk providers and try and use our sparse resource in that way um, so that we're going to where we need to go before they fall over, if you know what I mean. Um, and in terms of complaints, you know, our complaints have grown. We get over 6,000 complaints a year. Um, some of those we will refer back to the provider. So, so we'll say to the complainant that you need to take that with the provider if you haven't done so. Some of which will say, let us know how that goes. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and some of them... The serious ones, we will investigate ourselves and we'll, we'll put the outcomes on our website so that it's there. But that gives us a wealth of information. Sometimes the complaint will trigger us going out to do an inspection because of the severity of it. But we, we need a system that allows that to be much more at our fingertips um, and to make those um, judgments about when we go out. The downside of that, having a low, medium and high risk, you're focusing, you're, you're targeting those medium and high risk services, is that those services out there, and providers have spoken to me about this, who have had an inspection maybe two, three years ago, got a fairly adequate grade, but feel they've made improvement, are waiting for us to go out to, to, to give the staff the feedback, yes, you have done well, to give them a better um I suppose, assurance in the, in the public that they're a good service to use. And that's always the challenge is trying to do some of those services as well so that you've got a, a shared, equal view yeah, of assurance. I, I guess if they, invent, if they invent 30-hour days, uh, giving you 11,000 registered yeah. services to use, it's going to be, going to be difficult. Yeah. I, I wanted to move to the next section, which in your corporate vision, you talked about shaping the future and you emphasise continuous learning mm -hmm. and collaboration. I mean, you've had a partnership agreement uh, with uh, uh, the Scottish Social Services Council, yes. for example. Yeah. Can you elaborate upon that? Because I think that theme you touched upon collaborating with providers, yeah. with workforce, with people uh, experiencing care itself, the lived experience, is going to be vital as you move to the next phase of your strategy. Yeah, I mean, there, there are several levels of collaboration mm. in there. You know, we collaborate, uh, it was one of the recommendations in the independent review, but we already have at least quarterly meetings with all the regulators across the UK. I think there was a week, a few weeks ago that I was in touch with the Chief Exec of uh, Care Quality Commission three times in one week. That was a bit of, uh, unusual. Um, but we share information there and we share information, for example, a, a really helpful conversation recently about cyber crime mm -hmm. and how we need to protect ourselves now because we're holding very sensitive data. So, um, you know, we, we do that level of collaboration. We collaborate locally in Scotland with the other regulators so that we're doing things together and that we're sharing information. There's more we need to do, I think, on that. There's more data and information we could share that I think would make it easier for, for, for us and also maybe make this landscape a bit um, more streamlined. Um, and then you've touched on the collaboration with, well, the inclusiveness of our users of services. Mm -hmm. So whenever we're going out to an inspection, whatever service it is, we always seek the voice, the view of, of people who are experiencing that care and support. 
But we have, uh, we've just recently recruited more young inspection volunteers, which is great. Mm. So they are people with a care background, they've experienced services, and they come out with this, they're aged between 18 and 26. And they come out on inspection to meet specifically with groups of young people, maybe do focus groups or one-to-one. And, you know, obviously we all know that we're, we're, we're not 26 anymore or, or even 27. Um, and they find, we find that really helpful for them to, to be the real voice of the user of that service and to feed it back. And I think the independent review and the promise has really strengthened that because it's, we've, we, you know, it's forced people to listen, listen to what people tell you about what they wanted to happen in their care journey and what didn't happen. And we have got a, a huge group of um, voluntary uh, inspection volunteers for older people and adult services as well. And I was reading up last week, actually, um, some of the, I suppose, the vignettes of people who've come into that role. And they're mostly people who have been in a caring position with a family member. Um, and they've had contact with us maybe through a complaint or an issue. And they've then come into the kids and it's admirable because they see it as adding something, understanding the service, um, being able to live there, to tell their story and being able to engage with other people who are maybe not just as forthright and coming forward to say what, what their experience is. So that's a massive, you know, we've, we've massive um, contribution to what we do. And it gives a voice, them. it gives a voice to Absolutely. people to, to co-design. And, and, and the other cohort I wanted to touch upon this, you, in your corporate vision, you talk about the need for um, continuous innova- innovation. Mm-hmm. Now, the independent review, um, if my memory's right, regular, uh, recommendation 35 uh, and 37. Um, I stayed up, I stayed up. To look at no, but it's really interesting because it talks about um, the r- inspection regime, the inspection yourselves, mm-hmm. um, making sure that the workforce mm-hmm. are actually part of that collaboration in terms of how the inspection process is undertaken. Um, and that's uh, the second point I wanted to touch upon was the review does uh, invite Scottish ministers to look at the resources available for the training and development of workforce because that's a key issue if providers are going to thrive in social care. Well, I mean, I'll start with the latter Mm. one. It is a key issue and and as you would expect over the last 10 more years in most services when they've had to make savings, the first thing to go can be that training and development budget because it's not going to have an immediate impact on your delivery, but it does have an impact. So it's really, really helpful to hear that coming through, that recommendation coming through for Scottish Government to support. Um, I mean, I think the the other bit about how we involve people to co-design our inspection frameworks, we've always, always done that. Mm-hmm. I, before I was in this job, uh, was involved in a couple of uh, areas of work that the inspectorate were doing and would be around a, a you know a table talking about the quality indicators and how they were going to inspect what they were looking at but we do need to do more of that mm-hmm. you know there's always we are if we're truly an improvement organization then there's always room for improvement and that includes ourselves so um yes that that bringing the workforce in both our workforce but the workforce of providers We've got a couple of events, for example, coming up. Um, called, we call them quality conversations. And we do this every year. Mm. We ask providers, what do you want? You know, what are the top six topics? And they come and we meet with them to hear their issues, for them to hear what's happening in the care inspectorate, and for them to network as well and share good practice. And they're absolutely um, 
great events. No, it's great to hear that voice. As you say, with mm-hmm. training, uh, as you know, in England, we've got the NHS long-term yes. workforce plan, a big increase in uh, uh, numbers of staff. Scotland faces its own yeah. shortages. And just touching, again, that training element, I guess we'll also need to see some innovation in the way training is delivered if you're going to meet the needs of a growing and complex needs population. Absolutely. And also the other thing is, you know, in terms of taking people out of the workforce to do their training and development. If you've already got a recruitment intention problem and you've got low numbers, that's really difficult. And I've heard from a couple of providers recently who are saying, we know we've got improvements to make following your inspection, but I'm struggling with staff and how do I take them out to do that improvement? Now, we've got to listen to that. Um, that's something I've, I've been thinking about very recently, talking to my senior team about it. Um, and, you know, we, we need to be understanding of the challenges they have. When I came in last year, um, I met with our larger provider networks and they were really str- obviously still struggling, but were really struggling in relation to um, staffing and workforce challenges. And what they were saying was, you know, there was a bit of a debate about could you not make a count for that in terms of the grades and I, myself and our board were saying, no, we can't do that because we need to have a steady ship of being able to compare, you know, looking back, looking forward. However, what I did do is I met with probably about 350 inspectors in different groupings. And my message to them was show compassion and empathy to the struggle that the providers have got out there. I want to see that coming through in reports. So, yes, they might not get a great grade. But they've got staffing problems. It's not to give them an, it's not an excuse, but it's like set the cult, context. Set, set the context, because staff will find that demoralising, and also if they're doing something innovatively to try and increase their staff workforce, then to share that in reports. And I was really pleased within about three months, <clears throat> one of our big provider networks said we're seeing that coming through. But now what, now what we're discussing, and I've got meetings coming up in the next couple of weeks with the two biggest provider networks, which I'm really looking forward to, is about how do we look at that? How do you do the improvement if you've not got the staff? That's going to be the uh, alchemy. And let's wait and see if the recommendation from the independent review uh, is taken up by Scott, uh, the ministers, about the resources for training. Um, thank you for that. I wanted to end, uh, if I may, with um, the focus that the Care Inspectorate has for, for infants, children and young young people um, and uh, the, the promise yeah. uh, which I'd like you to share with us because uh, I was very moved uh, reading it. Yeah. Uh, it arises, of course, from this whole review uh, of the sector and that uh, every child should grow up uh, loved, safe, respected and being able to realise their potential. Now, the promise has been, uh, I think, uh, uh, refreshed uh, in 2022, but it's central to what you do. Can you elaborate upon that? Because it's an incredibly inspiring uh, piece of work that you're involved in. I mean, what I would say is the promise is very aspirational and you will hear people saying, is that realistic? But aspiration is what we should be aiming for for children and young people. So that, for me, I'm fully behind it. It obviously was based on the independent review of care. And there was one statement I remember, because uh, this is going back a few years now, one statement I remember really, really strongly coming out of the work with young people who'd come through and, and adults who'd come through the care system. And it was a young person saying, I wanted you to help my family, but I didn't want you to take me away. And it just is, is I can feel goosebumps. It just resonated with me. Absolutely. You know, uh, that that's so that for me the promise is a, is is 
what came out of the independent review wasn't just a review with a few recommendations. There was then that whole piece of work around the promise, which is very aspirational. And I was really pleased when I came into the Key Inspectorate that they'd had a group, cross-organisational group meeting um, since just about 20, early 21, so the promise came out in 2020. And that group looks to see, as an inspectorate, what should we be expecting? And then making sure our workforce are clear about those aspirations, are clear about the, the changes that are required. Um, and that, that we've, you know, I'm really proud to say that was our... Uh, I know that we shared that work at a recent national group and uh, we, we, our team shone in, in what they were trying to do. So that was great. Um, and the other bit about that, you know, children having the best start in life, being respected and, and uh, flourish. We do a lot of improvement work with our early learning um, and childcare sector. So I think over 350 um, organised you know, placements we've we've worked with, which is about 29,000 children that mm. go to them. And that's been a range of things, you know, obviously providing someone to face-to-face uh, contact and development, particularly with our local authority nursery staff, um, webinars, providing guidance that they need, so um, being quite responsive to the service. Um, as a chief exec, from the beginning, I've said, I want to see... We, get, we do briefings all the time. If something happens in Acre service, then we have that. I said, I want to see all those um, because I want to be able to feel. I always talk about feeling. I want to feel how things are going. Um, and so at times when we have issues with some nurseries or, or learning centres, we will issue them with guidance support. We'll immediately go in, try and be proactive. Um, we've had some very good feedback from those sessions we need to do more and what we're now doing um, our inspection our improvement team quality improvement team is actually looking at what can we do how can we step into the older people and adults care service so when we're hearing from our inspectors that our, our, our service is struggling how can we then put in a plug in some support there um, what we say is every time we touch an organisation, we provide an opportunity for improvement. But we have to be clear that the improvement has to be delivered and and, sust- and sustained. That's the other bit. It's about sustaining improvement. And the, in, you'd mentioned, of course, the the inspection volunteers. So they they are obviously very ubiquitous with the yeah, yeah. with the early years and uh, the children's services. Absolutely, and they don't just go in an inspection. You know, they will provide us with when we're developing um, approaches, then we will look to them for their view, whether it's the adults and older people in volunteers or the, the young inspectors. And the other bit for the young inspectors particularly that I'm heartened by is it gives them a great uh, experience. Um, we get a bit of turnover because people go on to do other things. They use the experience they've had in the care inspectorate. It's on their CV. It leads them to build their confidence about what they can offer, what they can do, their skills, their knowledge, and it, it takes them um, elsewhere. So that's that's quite inspiring. And perhaps um, you've got some ambassadors there for the broader sector itself? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Hopefully. Well, on that note of hope, uh, Jackie Irvin, thank you so much for sharing Not your time, all, your compassion and your wisdom. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode of Voices of Care, please like, follow or subscribe wherever you receive your podcasts. And if you want to find out more about how we are enabling the healthcare workforce of the future, please visit newcrosshealthcare.com forward slash Voices of Care. In the meantime, I'm Sahel Mirza. Thank you very much. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.